Well, good morning, New City Church, and Happy New Year. Grateful to be here today, continuing a discussion that we actually started three years ago entitled, What Matters Most? We've been having conversations uh, intersecting our faith with culture and work and society. And so we had Dr. Leighton Ford and, and Claude Alexander, and really grateful today to have Mako Fujimura with us. Thank you so much for being with us, Mako. Um, you can read, there's so much I could say about Mako. <laughs> Um, but I would encourage you to go and research Mako and all of his incredible work and everything that he's involved with. And we're excited today to talk about how your faith, your faith in Jesus intersects specifically mm -hmm. with your art mm -hmm. and this calling that God's put on your life. Mm -hmm. And so I thought we could maybe start there as we talk this year, a new year, about what matters most and kind of this intersection, the sacred intersection between our faith and, and how we live that out in life and culture and specifically in art. Um, N.T. Wright, um, I would say probably the greatest, if not one of the greatest yeah. theologians um, living today, uh, wrote about you, Mako. He said um, that it's rare that artists, especially of your caliber, um, can explain uh, what they do and why they do it and, and how they do it. And yeah. so I thought maybe we could start there. We, we do have some artists I know today in the audience, but for many of us, we wouldn't consider ourselves to be artists. Yeah. But maybe we could just start there and talk a little bit about, um, of course, your faith, but explaining how that intersects with art and, and the kind of the what and the how and the why. Yeah. Thank you. I start every day in, uh, in, in my studio, uh, which is one of the most profound, sacred, places for me uh, and I have this painting that my mother kept uh, which I apparently did when I was three and um, she kept the painting and framed it and gave it to me for my college graduation and so I, I have it framed she passed away a few years ago I got it back from her and uh, and it reminds me every time I go into the studio of how sacred this act is, um, this painting. I, I could not have um, articulated my faith at all. Uh, in fact, I did not become a follower of Christ until in my 20s. But even back then, I, I, as a child, when I painted, I felt something just surged through me. Mm. Um, and I, didn't, I knew that wasn't mine. It was something to steward, um, and and that I I was so tapped into this flow that uh, seemed to come from beyond time and space, you know, and um, and so I remember trying to do my best to understand. I thought I thought everybody had this experience mm -hmm. un until third grade and <laughs> you find out that a lot of people in, in your class can draw like you. <laughs> not, well no, not only that <laughs> but but they didn't they didn't have the connection you know right. and and i i felt oh i must be kind of weird you know and and then of course you go into high school and you don't want to be weird so you <laughs> you know try to and 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 i i became very aware that um this was not a gift uh, that I, I, I need to take seriously, mm -hmm. but it's also something that I, I need to help other people understand that right. they're, they're actually, we're all part of that flow, but we, we don't realize that. Yeah. So what I do in the studio is I try to slow down and I intentionally use materials that force mm -hmm. me to slow down uh, this 
really archaic way of painting of uh, pulverizing minerals and then mixing with high glue by hand and and that kind of gets me into this rhythm of paying attention to the materials paying attention to uh, even even the weather patterns paying attention to my own heart um, vacillating you know navigating in and out of issues and but but then capturing all of that in in, in a single stroke you know and and so that moment is amazing it's just a sacred moment for me it's it's a act of praise and prayer and so uh, you know everything i do um <clears throat> whether it be writing or lecturing or um, mentoring uh, flows right out of my studio. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and your latest book, Art and Faith, yeah. which I would encourage you um, to pick up and go further um, into this whole idea of a, of a theology of, of making. Yeah. And you talk about, by the way, my mom didn't save any pictures that I drew. <laughs> so that's what separates the artist from the non-artist. <laughs> But you talk about um, how the, when the psalmist says, you know, that we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made. And even as a youngster and your art, feeling the power of the Holy Spirit and really the pleasure of God, um, yeah. you know, as you, as you engaged in art. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that passage in Psalm 139, it was very significant. I, I, I read that um, quote, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, uh, William Blake, the British poet and illuminator and remarkable uh, individual, that was his favorite mm. passage in, in the Bible. So he quoted it over and over. Wow. And I, so I read Psalm 139 through him. <laughs> and I was in college. I was in a liberal arts program. And, um, and I wasn't a Christian. But when I read that, it made sense to me. That, that was one of the pinholes through which I understood where the surge was coming from, this flow was coming from. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a simple, beautiful statement just to capture there is a creator, yeah. there is a source from which everything flows out of, and that I am wonderfully made, yes, that, 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 that will be... To me, when I was in you know, my teenage years, hard to believe mm-hmm. because I struggled with my self-identity. I vacillated between two cultures. You know, by the time I landed in college, I couldn't speak in any language that well, let alone write. Um, and, and so in that, when I read that, and you know, I am wonderfully made, I, I'm not sure about that. Mm. But what is this beautifully made? <laughs> you know, and and I began to think, like, what if there is this Creator God? If there's a Maker, that entity or presence uh, needs to be feared. Um, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But why am I fearfully mm-hmm. and wonderfully made? So that began a series of questions, somewhat philosophical at first, um, but, but then it moved into more personal, um, and then eventually it actually began to echo with the voice of Christ um, as I connected uh, what I was experiencing in the studio and uh, these uh, passages of scripture that I, I still cherish. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 
you know, one thing I'm struck with and listening to you is the backdrop and even in your, your paintings and the work that's behind us um, of tragedy and yeah. loss and grief, yeah. brokenness and, yeah. you know, um, part of um, what you embody is these, these layers, you know, um, in our lives of, yeah. of grief and brokenness and then finding beauty yeah. in that. And I wondered if I could ask you a question about a personal tragedy and experience. Um, you were here in New York yes. 20 years ago. Yes. And I wondered if you might just for a few moments share about yeah. your experience on 9-11 and then coming out of that, how it's affected you, uh, not only as an artist, but as a person. Yeah. So not only I was here in New York, I was three blocks away from the wow. towers. And um, had I, um, I was leading a prayer group um, in, um, Upper West Side, got on the train when I heard about the accident that morning and came back in, in the express uh, train, express trains. That's so ironic because it just stopped right wow. before Chambers Street. Now, had I gotten out, because it was it almost let us out, had I gotten out, I, I would have been under the towers. So I'm a survivor of 9-11. Um, but then the train, fortunately, didn't tell us what was happening. Backtracked two miles wow. to 14th Street, and uh, very slowly. So it took hour and, a, hour and a half. And by the time I came out, the towers were gone. So um, I didn't know what happened. I, I I didn't know if my family survived. We lived three blocks away. My children went to schools two blocks away. Wow. So <laughs> there there was no. Um, way that I would have known uh, for those two miles mm -hmm. getting back to my studio, which is 10 blocks north of my, my home, my loft. So, um, and fortunately the phone there was working. So um, it, it, um, it was a day that um, I would never forget. Um, mm -hmm. And my children became ground zero children. <laughs> Um, they faced, as we walked out of our loft, we faced ground zero every day to go to school, go to work, go to my studio. Um, and we stayed for 10 years. So they, until our youngest, Lydia, graduated from high school. Mm. Um, and then it was a journey of trauma, lingering trauma that continued after that. 20th year was uh, commemoration was mm -hmm. very hard to get through, um, and I I had to come up with another way of dealing with it because in the previous years during these commemorations I didn't do very well. Mm -hmm. So my brother bride and I decided we will do. Kintsugi Academy, which is something that we launched and we can talk more about um, here, right here in the gallery, um, as um, a way for us to journey forward. And, and so um, we had about 20-some people here that morning, um, and um, it, it, it reminded me of how community uh, value of um, replacing the trauma narrative with mending mm. to make new narrative, to make something new 
um, how critical that is. And many of the paintings here, uh, this exhibit is called Remembrance, and it's re-remembrance, mm -hmm. because somebody once said that to remember rightly, you have to reconnect the disjointed member, mem members that has been splintered by trauma. Mm -hmm. and the, the, and I, I appreciate that personally because when you're going through trauma, you disassociate things. Mm -hmm. You have fragments of memory scattered. And what happens is, you know, every time it's triggered, one of those things kind of land um, almost like this um, broken glass, you know, in, that, that pierces your heart. And you're not, you're not, you know, prepared for this. Right. So all of a sudden you're reacting in a way that echoes how you might have, um, you know, try to, um, you know, when the adrenaline's running, you try to fix and provide safety, but, but also you rush through mm -hmm. the process of healing. Right. And that actually does the opposite, right. long term. Mm -hmm. and, and so you have to kind of slow down, yeah. which is part of my art. Mm -hmm. So my art definitely helps. Um, and the three themes in this exhibit deal with three major traumas um, of our time, which is Columbine High School in 1999, 3-11, uh, 2011, uh, Great Tohoku Tsunami and Earthquake and mm -hmm. ongoing nuclear meltdown, and then 9-11. Mm -hmm. So these are paintings that I did. They're all done in 2020, wow. but they are series that I have been working on for many, many, many years to really move away from my, you know, trauma and despair and, and, and to try to create something new, something that, you know, corrects or connects the dismembered mm -hmm. uh, realities that um, uh, we have been through as cultures. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, so we're in Mako's um, gallery here in New York, and as he said, we're surrounded by artwork that was informed by tragedy. And one of the things that you wrote in Art and Faith is that we all have ground zeros mm. in our lives. And yeah. I'm sure even today, as we start a new year, um, we're two days into the, to the new year and some of the same old problems and trauma and grief follow us. And um, Aka, would you maybe just share a word with folks who might be struggling today as they come yeah. into a new year? Yeah. Um, you know, with, um, with their past and trauma and grief that they bring and just a word of, of hope to them? Yeah. So as a ground zero resident, and I struggled with this word as a Japanese American uh, because um, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki being ground zero. Mm. And so I, I had to actually travel to Hiroshima and Nagasaki to think about that. But um, mm. I, today, what I can say after having gone through um, these moments when you're not quite sure how to deal with your own trauma, but let alone ground zero realities. Um, 
is, is that ground zero is certainly uh, the devastation point. Mm. Um, and we have to honor that memory. Mm. Uh, we have to be willing to live. Uh, we were forced to live in ground zero, but in, the, in that sense, the, the, there's, the, there's a calling, um, certainly as a church, that we inhabit that intentionally um, to love our neighbors mm -hmm. and our enemies um, in the very place of devastation. But it's also ground zero is a canceling, cancellation point. It is ground zero, it's a starting point. Mm -hmm. And just as we have memorial and brand new buildings, we can really begin to journey because of what happened, something beyond the tragedy and something beyond the darkness. Mm. It's raining right now, you might be able to hear that. Uh, to me, this is very symbolic of mm. this exhibit. Uh, these three paintings behind us are called Walking on Water. And one um, on, on the left is called Eye of the Storm. Mm. When this exhibit was installed, it was the day that Ida came over us. Wow. Wow. And so when, as we were getting prepared that day, you know, and we, we planned this for months, mm -hmm. we weren't sure if this, this exhibit could be installed, but we noticed that there was this eye of the storm <laughs> over us and the truck wow. came just at the right time so they could load when it was not raining. And then we drove the turnpike and the eye of the storm seemed to follow us. There was this five hour window and um, we installed. And as soon as the last painting was installed, it started pouring. Wow. And um, next day when we tried to get back to our Princeton farm, we couldn't because it was all yeah. flooded. But um, we were able to get around, but um, it, it was, um, Literally, the theme of, of this, um, so what does it mean to stay in the eye? Hmm. It, it, it means not to try to avoid it uh, or you know, pretend that it's not there. Um, and it also does not mean to, um, you know, I, I say this to artists, don't be a peace breaker. Mm. Don't transgress to break peace. Instead, create peace. Yeah. Be a peacemaker. Mm -hmm. And as author Ken Sandy noted, you know, there's a difference between being a peacemaker and peace breaker mm. and peace faker. Mm. A lot of us are peace fakers. We mm -hmm. pretend like the storm isn't happening at all. You know, it's coming and we, we have all sorts of reasons because we've been traumatized, we don't want to think about another, you know, ground zero opening up before us. Peacemaking um, is an intentional act of just like the, uh, you know, what they call storm chasers, right? These uh, scientists who literally fly into the eye of the storm. Right to measure the eye so that they can warn the residents how strong the storm is, how far it's gonna go. They risk their lives to do this. And this is precisely what artists needs to be 
leaders in leading the church into. Mm. We need to all become uh, people of, you know, intentionally residing in the eye of the storm because that's where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, though, that the storm keeps moving. <laughs> so we have to be able to adjust, be nimble, pivot at times, yeah. but, but to always be measuring, right? Always be um, paying attention yes. to what's happening around us. How do we keep people in, in the eye? Because if you stray from the eye, it's kind of dangerous, right? Because you can get blown apart by, by a storm. And I've seen this happen in artists' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they are in, inclined to be drawn to the eye of the storm, but they don't make it. Right. Because they get caught up in, in the turmoil of the storm itself. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, so these, these are things that I, I've been you know, thinking about for the last 20 years. And, and these, these are issues that I think you know, um, we will need mm-hmm. moving forward from the pandemic, um, this new normal. And you know, in 2022, we're going to have the same issues that I faced um, mm-hmm. in, in, in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because of the trauma, because you're trying to do everything you can to survive and protect your family, mm-hmm. you do things that are, you know, truncated by need, and, and yet we, we have to remind ourselves that that is also, um, uh, you know, not providing a solution. It's actually being part of a problem. Right. Peace faking, peace breaking, (laughs) peace making. Yeah. Be a peacemaker. Yeah. Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and you Mm -hmm. write about this in your book. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, Mm -hmm. the new has come. And there's something about fixing what's broken and we are called to do that to yeah. mend and bind wounds mm-hmm. but there's something to to creating and and making and 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 as you write joining our creator and mm-hmm. his new creation work yeah. um and so as we enter into a new year what what matters most Maka? yeah so we need a new metaphor. Um, you know, I always say culture is not a battleground um, to, for us to fight over. Mm-hmm. But culture is instead an ecosystem to tend to, a garden to, you know, tend to, an uh, ecosystem to steward. And um, by changing how our mindset uh, works to toward culture or whatever, um, we, um, we help, actually our brain starts to heal if the metaphor is one that is generative mm-hmm. rather than destructive. Um, the, when, when we focus on demonizing the other side, when we focus on be, you know, being driven by anxiety and fear, we start to create a narratives that doesn't exist really, um, but we start to inhabit them and we start to act that out, out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a human reaction. And the only antidote to that is by making. Hmm. And I have been talking about Kintsugi, and um, we started, my bride and I launched uh, Kintsugi Academy here. But here's a 17th century Korean bowl wow. that was used in high tea in Japan. Hmm. Japan and Korea are, are at war. 
in feudal war times. The tea master intentionally used Korean bowl. Mm. And when this broke because of the earthquakes, maybe somebody dropped it, I don't know. Um, the family or tea masters kept the fragments for several generations before mending it mm. to make new uh, Kintsugi master, the Urushi master, Japan lacquer master, will have the um, way to mend this in a way that accentuates the fractures, mm. as you can see, and creates a golden river in the cracks. Um, and it's such a beautiful metaphor, mm -hmm. right? It, and, and the resulting bowl, Kintsugi bowl, is more valuable than the original, as valuable as the original bowl was. So <clears throat> when Christ appears in his post-resurrection appearances, of course we notice, um, and Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, <laughs> is right to note that the greatest miracle of the post-resurrection, of course the resurrection is a miracle, but even perhaps even the right. miraculous is that Jesus came back as a human yes. at all. He could have, <laughs> after all that he's been through, the suffering, he literally came back as a ground zero resident of our traumas. Wow. He's the, he is the God of ground zero and he is going to remain there and he decides to come back as one. Wow. <laughs> Talk about a peacemaker, right? So he moves into the eye of the storm and, and <laughs> not only he returns as a human being, but he returns as a wounded human being with his nail marks still with him. Mm. And here it is. In this venerable tea tradition of Japan, mm. which many will consider pagan, mm -hmm. are hidden keys to the gospel mm -hmm. that if we are open to unlock, you will see this entire um, ecosystem and an entire field of abundance. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to be willing to go through our own woundings, our own scars, our own ground zeros, because it is by his wounds we are healed. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean for us, for me, going through trauma and realizing that that is a cancellation point, that is a beginning, new beginning of something that only God can do. And uh, um, instead of trying to fix it uh, in the industrial sense, you know, Western mind will super glue it back together and pretend like it doesn't, it didn't never happen. The Japanese way of understanding the imperfections and even accentuating that mm -hmm. is, 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 is a way for us as the church to understand 2022 and beyond mm -hmm. that we don't, necessarily, you know, can move away from the past traumas. And we have to begin to acknowledge, uh, not only acknowledge the huge losses that we en encountered, mm. but, but the woundings of our heart, the headline fractures that we don't even know that exists. Mm -hmm. And so if we can begin to pay attention to that first and behold the fragments before trying to fix it, if we can come to church, being able to bring our fragments and our yes. woundings, 
and as a pastor and as a you know, member of the congregation, if we can say to that person, welcome, because we can share, not only share in your suffering, but your journey mm. is uniquely important for our journey. Mm. That this is a starting point mm -hmm. that you have provided for us. Mm. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> if we can do that, I think we will begin to heal mm -hmm. together in ways that we couldn't before the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? And so that is my, um, that is my hope coming through this uh, venerable tea tradition of uh, 17th century Japan. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing yes, with absolutely. us. Yes, absolutely. And what a great word for us um, as we finish up today and we launch into a brand new year, a, a new metaphor. Um, a new focal point. Um, and I've asked Mako, well, first of all, thank you for thank being you. with our church today and sharing with us what matters most. And um, just to finish our time together, wondered if you might pray over our church and for our Absolutely. new year. I have a <clears throat> benediction for makers uh, in my book at the end. Um, and it actually summarizes the whole book. So you don't have to read the book if you <laughs> understand <laughs> this prayer. Um, but, but this is for makers, of course, the artists, um, people who are consider themselves maker, makers. But, but it's really a prayer to all of us to be makers as well, to, to be able to uh, see ourselves as, um, you know, God's little artists to to make to men to make new a benediction for makers let us remember that we are sons and daughters of god the only true artist of the kingdom of abundance we are god's heirs princesses and princes of this infinite land beyond the sea where heaven will kiss the earth May we steward well what the Creator God has given us and accept God's invitation to sanctify our imagination and creativity, even as we labor hard on this side of eternity. Mm. May our art, what we make, be multiplied into the new creation. May our poems, music, and dance be acceptable offerings for the cosmic wedding to come. May our sandcastles, created in faith, be turned into permanent grand mansions in which we will celebrate the great banquet of the table. Let us come and eat and drink at the supper of the Lamb now, so that we might be empowered by this meal to go into the world to create and to make mm. and return to share what we have learned on this side, this journey toward the new. Amen. Amen.